the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. from you and see you and uh, I, I say hear from you by faith that we have a phone number here at the studio we'd love to have you call in and be a part of the program and uh, help us as we make our way through the scriptures every year add your two cents and I'll add my dollar <laughs> <laughs> two dollars I guess Stacy's here with me we're ready to move on now we're, we're going to finish up the book of um, Exodus Mm-hmm. We we did finish it up, uh, I guess I could say that way, uh, this past week in our readings. If you went to the website, thebiblelive.com or just biblelive.com, um, I'm so used to making a big deal of that word the in the front because, you know, the, but we own, we have both of those. So if you, if you don't put the the on there, it's all right. You'll go to the same <laughs> website and you can uh, join us there as we make our way and listen to the entire Bible every year with us. We read this past week Exodus chapters 26 through 40, and then we just barely got into the opening chapter of the book of Leviticus. And uh, so there we are, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Now, when we finish Leviticus here in a, what is it, a week or two, huh? That puts us right about Christmas time. Uh-huh, yeah. Going back to the, the book of... The most wonderful time of the year. The most wonderful <laughs> time. And we go back to... Um, we're going to move from the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And we're going to pause there. We're going to leave the uh, uh, people of Israel there. Uh, n- not not at the knocking at the door of Canaan. Uh, that'll come, but I guess we're going to leave them uh, wandering in the wilderness. And that's appropriate. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like most of us, right? Wandering. <laughs> but but then uh, we're going to go on, uh, jump ahead about 1,500 years and read about the birth of this 
this one, this anointed one, this Messiah that we've talked about actually from the very beginning, Genesis chapters one, Genesis chapter three. I mean, this whole this whole series of writings and readings that we've done that Stacy and I were talking about as we uh, were prepared to come on the air tonight, that that it's um, the Bible is an interesting phenomenon in this. We call it a book. And it is. It's of one piece. There's a clear, uh, there's one true living God. He's dealing with human beings. He's revealing himself to human beings. And they're, from the beginning, from the time of creation even, and this this is, some. they wrote down some of those people who wanted God and loved God and desired God and sought God, the true, you know, the, the creator, um, and they wrote down their experiences. They wrote what they learned about God, what God told them, how God moved in their lives. And, and, and I guess the only thing that really makes the Bible fascinating and in the sense of almost being kind of a magic book <laughs> uh, without being a magic book that you just you know touch it and that's ha- that happens. But is that is true? I mean, the, one of the most amazing things about the book is that we have this record from hundreds, thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. and and it's true and accurate. And these yeah. r- really happened. People really did these. Right. And, and so we a, can read it and go, wow. You know, that, yeah. What does that tell us about God, about reality, about what's, mm-hmm. what this is all about down here, this and, life? And we know that. And just, I mean, it has stood the test of time. So, uh, you know, not just... You know, in, in terms of what, what do we mean by it's true, it is uh, historically anything else that we have to judge by, uh, either in, even anthropologically and societally, what we know, sociology, what we know about human nature, what we, it, it, yeah. it, it, um, it corresponds to our experiences. I mean, we, we know, uh, life we know about existence right. here on this planet and and the amazing thing is you read this book you you see right. it, it, we respond to it we well, go man yeah. i've done that before I've and made I, that. right and i love how in our reading in psalm psalm uh, 19 yeah. 7 through 8 it's one of the questions but yeah. i revive the soul i make the simple wise i bring joy to the heart and give insight about life what am I? And it's it's God's word, and that's just so, you know, and that that would not be true of a book that is just. I mean, you said it's not a magical book, but in many ways, it really it really is. I love especially yeah. the I make the simple wise. I think that's you know you you we've all met them. I've even been one. Yeah, um, you know, a child and just kind of a simple sort of. But man, you really touch scripture. You read scripture. You let it sit and and you absorb it and you live by it and you can see a change in a person's life who really embraces God's word really does I don't know what um, yeah that's one of the supernatural elements of yes. it I mean I, I say they it's not a magic book in more the sense mature. Of, but it is supernatural mm-hmm. yeah. it, it's one of the reasons we think it's it's 
God's word is a, the, the, yeah. the, the phrase they use, or, or that God has spoken, God has acted, and he's caused men, normal men and women like us, not Superman or anything, but or Lois <laughs> Clark or Lois Lane, right? It wasn't Lois <laughs> Lane, Lane. But yes. caused them to write accurately, honestly, their experiences, and we have those. This remarkable text, this remarkable story. And you brought up an interesting uh, idea, Stacey, too, because the Bible actually talks about books. Yeah. It, it talks and about, the, um, what you said in the book of Revelation, it talks about the book of life. Mm-hmm. And kind of wondering maybe what is that? Is that the rest of our stories? That's why it's Well, gonna, there's the book of life, and then there's also the... Um, on Judgment Day, all of our deeds and the, mm. those books will be open and everybody will be judged according to their deeds based on what's in these books. Yeah. I just think that's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's, it's a little is. scary. We're, how we but. respond. I, I, I think that's something we could talk about tonight as well uh, in a broader sense of the scriptures. We are going to uh, visit all of these uh, chapters, 26 through 40, the, the book of Exodus. Uh, we're going to catch up now with... With uh, the people of Israel, about my understanding, at least, is there was something like two million of mm, them mm-hmm. who uh, we last week we that talked about amazing. Moses mm-hmm. and him going to Egypt to the Pharaoh and saying, "Let my people go." Uh, it's my best Charleston. <laughs> Close. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but no cigar. Right? <laughs> uh, I. You know, Moses went. They, they had this incredible uh, battle and adventure of the ten, these ten plagues that were released uh, mm-hmm. sequentially on the people of Egypt. And, and we do have to remember that it wasn't all just about uh, Moses and the people of Israel. That was, of course, central to the story. But God was in this moment also revealing himself in a very special way to the people of Egypt. Right. And, uh, and, and they were being judged mm-hmm. by their response to right. what they knew and yeah. understood to be the, the actual, the true, the living God. And I, yes, and I still always come back to, I just think it's so fascinating that that is where Jesus spent his youth, was yeah. in Egypt. You know, that here... Well, not his entire youth, but... Not yeah, as, it's, right, it's, it's, right. It's, it's, as a baby, at yeah, least. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe two, many, what, two to four, maybe? Two mm-hmm, to five mm-hmm. years of age in that range? Which isn't that just... Fast here, this this nation that had been killing the firstborn Hebrews, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the great Exodus, and then the Messiah comes, and the first place they go is to Egypt. <laughs> right. What I just right. think that's amazing. I don't it know. Is, I keep on coming back to that this Christmas for some reason. But and that's one of those uh, those over three hundred prophecies in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that, 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 are, that are quoted and, and cited in the New Testament, uh, one of the writers, and we'll, we'll read about it in Matthew, out of Egypt I have called my son. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in some ways, God is calling Israel out of Egypt. Right, metaphorically, but, but yeah, also uh-huh. literally. <laughs> Symbolically, metaphorically. But also, and then, of course, the, with the Messiah himself, mm-hmm. uh, you have that, that record. And they, they cite it in the New Testament. They quote that verse and say, this was ultimately fulfilled in the Messiah himself, mm-hmm. which is um, mm. fascinating. But back to you, you know, that wouldn't have been, let's see, how many, how many years would have, would be between the Exodus and 
the Jesus. Exodus and Jesus, uh-huh. 1,500 years. 1,500 years, yeah. okay. Well, that, that's a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wasn't just, you know, oh, just the other day, but, wasn't you know. wasn't even a couple centuries. That just was a while. Just the other century. Um, but still, I mean, uh, like you said, that Exodus, and it wasn't, yes, it was largely about the people um, the Hebrews in that moment, mm-hmm. there were, it had a, it had a, but it, had it a, made sense in that moment. Mm-hmm. Remember, God had promised to Abraham, their ancestor Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. He had promised. That I'm going to remember. He, long ago, we read in in, in Genesis uh, chapter what twelve. Abraham was called to leave this land, the uh, mm-hmm. Ur of the Chaldeans, and come to a land that I will show you and. Uh, I'm going to give you and to you and your descendants. So um, Moses, I mean, uh, not Moses, but Abraham took out and and left his family and support and his you know security of family and safety and that and came over, obeyed God, trusted God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. A, an interesting passage. It's often quoted as well that faith is the key down here. Mm-hmm. Trust to God, <laughs> obey God. Mm-hmm. and that's the key to getting to know God better and better. And getting to know him, becoming into a relationship with and growing in him as well. We know that true for us today as well. But then he comes over and then he gets in Canaan. He buys a little land there, property to bury his wife. And and they establish some roots. And he's told this is the land. I, and they go through all of these shenanigans, <laughs> all of these stories of you know, Abraham. And then there's his son, Isaac, and he marries Rebecca and and his name is uh, means laughter. I mean, all these little homey, true little you know uh, from their group, but it all but it all has this larger, greater meaning as well in the grand scheme of things. That they're they're key elements in God's revelation of Himself to humanity and to this work of revelation that we have in the Scriptures. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's it's a book that. On one hand, just a normal, good, true, amazing, exciting, interesting, wow, a book that relates to our human experience. But on the other hand, there is that supernatural element that mm-hmm. God was there and gave us a book. Right. Yeah. A true record of, of, of back before there were even records. You know, we have the, the oral traditions that were passed and that mm-hmm. Moses finally wrote down. Uh, out here in the wilderness. We hadn't gotten to that point in the history yet where he probably wrote it, uh, my understanding is, he wrote the the at least the, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, much of that during their, or, or all of it possibly, during the 40 years of wandering you know, in the wilderness there when they, uh, I don't know. It occurs to me that he. I wonder if he had written any of this. He had some time. Po- possibly, <laughs> yeah, he did have some time. One hundred and twenty <laughs> years he lived. Forty years in uh, Egypt, forty years in the wilderness, and now forty years guiding, uh, <laughs> herding cats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the people of Israel in the wilderness. So uh, let's we'll we'll get down to that in, in just a moment, folks. Okay. We're going to ask you to call in, give us the benefit of your. Wisdom, your experience with 
the true and living God with the God of the Bible. I would love to hear from you tonight. Uh, maybe answer a question or comment on some aspect of the scriptures, the story that we've read up till now, or any part of the story. If you'd like to jump ahead and talk about the Messiah, uh, we can do. We'll we'll go with you. We will let you kind of lead the conversation. The phone number is two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five we've got some wonderful gifts uh some books we're, <laughs> we're talking about books okay. uh we're giving away some copies of this book of books uh, we have a brand new uh editions of the bible called the warfighters study bible and it's uh developed uh to a great extent with armed uh, with military folk in uh in mind from the point of view of, uh, of you know, basic trainees and people in active duty, this is Military City USA. Um, it, some years ago, I, I learned that about a third of San Antonio's population, and I mean some years, I mean I'm talking 20 or 25 years ago, uh, back in the 80s or 90s. Oh, at that, that, time, was, uh, that was about 40 years 40, ago. Yeah, you know, I lose, <laughs> I lose um, perspective after a while. Uh, but uh, the point is, is that about a third of the San Antonio population at that time was um, accurately, was either active duty military, retired military, mm-hmm. former right. military, military dependents. Uh-huh. Uh, this city is deeply uh, entwined, intertwined with the United States military, um, Air Force, Army. Uh, of course, uh, many other uh, the other branches do a lot of training here. Right. So we have um, a city, uh, and I'm going to jump. I, I, I was about to say this one ago, and I'm, I'm wondering. I'm meandering is the meaning of the word meander. Uh, I'm wandering in my own wilderness here. <laughs> um, but that the, the, a third of this – now, if we still are that, that means about maybe a 600,000 people here in this city are related in some way directly to – with military and military, American military – in military lifestyle, um, so it it's we're very much. Uh, I don't even know where I was going with it, <laughs> except to say, except yes. to say, I want my mind wandered one more time. That I was thinking on the way to the studio tonight, Stace. That they say that two. Uh, the general idea is that somewhere about uh, a million five to two million people made their way out of Egypt. Uh-huh. Now. I see. Yeah. Sometimes when we think, you know, Moses is, he talks to the people and he says, now remember, he's this. They have tribes, they have tribal leaders, and mm-hmm. the, you know the, and so my guess is a lot of this communication took out took place with Moses, you know, telling you know maybe a larger congregation, two hundred, three hundred, four, maybe four, five hundred people preaching to them, and then they would take the message back to their uh, different tribes right. and different families and whatnot. Families. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, but because I, you know, I don't see how Moses could stand and speak to two million people right. at, at all here. Do you realize that's the pop- population of the city now? And I was driving in and I thought, wow, uh, it, how did this work? How did this this right. leader move this great population of people, boys and girls and young people and teenagers and 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 they're out and they're 
you know, they're they're on a big camp out. You know, we're going to go camp mm-hmm. out in the wilderness and uh, coming out of Egypt. Um, it's uh, pretty remarkable that the, the idea of it anyway. So, uh, and without any more me- meandering, why don't we uh, jump in here and figure out where we are right now? They've it's been also, down in Egypt. Well, real, sorry, real quickly though, it is also to me fascinating to that, that how large was the Egyptian army? I mean, if there were two million uh, right. of slaves. Uh, it's amazing that that there had not been a coup or there had not been some sort of a leaving before then. It just it's a it's pretty. I don't know. It maybe speaks to what the times might have been like. How maybe little resources and how truly oppressed maybe they were, and how powerless they were. Even though they had the numbers, they had perhaps very little else because. Why would they not have left sooner? It's called gun control. <laughs> right, right, there we go. They had no weapons, right, and I no, guess. And I'm, probably yeah. no coordination, no leader, no no any way to to really bring them kind of all, all together and be a united, and make that a united effort. But um, anyway, I, I think that that's well, yeah, that, interesting. There's so many little interesting uh, aspects of this whole story. but mm-hmm. So uh, they they come out. Uh, however many hundreds of thousands there might have been, and mm-hmm. uh, they come out of Egypt. We read about the the Passover, the meal that they celebrated before company God had directed them mm-hmm. to have this meal, uh, a lamb, and they placed the blood over the door uh, in the on the lintels of the door, mm-hmm. the sides and the top, and some people kind of get the picture of a cross there. Uh, and there are other uh, symbolically other interpretations of that but they uh, they come out uh, they they were to eat that meal with their shoes on they have their boots on and their walking stick in their hand and ready to go and they did and they they came out and they escaped Egypt and they crossed this uh, this river this great sea uh, on dry land and they got well. They were got trapped between that, the Red Sea and and the Egyptian army coming behind them. Uh, God led them into a, a kind of a cul-de-sac, and there was no way out. And then He came through for them. And they, so they're having these powerful experiences, both the people of Egypt and people of Israel. These amazing, powerful. Right. They, and, and so they were really believers. And they were really convinced, and they were really, you know, desperate for God, and they saw Him work. And wow, they're they're on a little bit of a mountaintop spiritually right now. They stay there for a couple of weeks, and then they start complaining, right, <laughs> like, exactly. like most of us, I guess. Uh, things get tougher, and we go, "Oh Lord, where are you?" Um, but so they've come out. They go to the base of uh, Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. That's okay. the same mountain. Horeb is another name for Sinai. Uh, means the sword, by the way. Uh, Mount Horeb, which is kind of an interesting. We could take off on that and meander some more if we wanted to. But the, uh, so now, I guess we find ourselves uh, at the base of Mount Sinai. We've uh, God has delivered the Ten Commandments uh, to Moses and through Moses to the people. They've. Um, They've discovered that God is a God of forgiveness. Uh, 
they you know, they they messed up and they were impatient for Moses to come down the mountain again, and so they built this golden calf. And Aaron says, "I threw all of this gold into the fire, and it melted, and out popped this <laughs> golden calf." Oh, you know, and, you know. So anyway, they had and their. That, and that's so funny, though. That's that sort of thing about human nature, and just yeah. kind of the, not much has changed. I mean, they just, <laughs> actually, they just saw God bring them out miraculously out we, of the. We would so do that today. That would be something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I just it just sort of happened, and yeah. I won't. <laughs> but anyway, but oh, they, yeah, they did it, and so uh, but they discovered an important thing about this God, mm-hmm. the God of their for uh, their ancestors, that He forgives, which was striking. I assume that it was rather dramatic. The idea, wow, because the Egyptian gods, you know, the false gods that we kind of create. They're not. They're like us. They're not very forgiving. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, their jealousies and struggle among themselves and all, and then they they get back at people. They're they're vengeful and and mm-hmm. cruel, and you mess up, and you know. But here's a God that forgives and restores them, and is committed to them and right. cares about them. Uh, so yeah, they're learning about the true God and and his plan for us, for them and for all of us. Well, we uh, that kind of brings us up. We'll, we're caught up through the Genesis. Uh, through, we'll finish the book of Exodus tonight. We'll talk about now what are they doing? They're at the base of Mount Sinai. They have the Ten Commandments. They have you know the beginnings of the law. God, uh, Moses, God through Moses begins to teach them, expanding on those ten basic principles. They now begin to get an expansion of the laws and uh, how these right. what this law thou should worship only me on one true living god and then they talk about in the in the practical realm of their 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 community experience as a nation right. here's how this works out into right. our families into our relationships and so right. on. so uh, all of that is uh, a part of two of the book of exodus that continue to learn and grow and we'll come up and pick up in chapter 26 with the um, one of the things that happens midnight clear <laughs> the people are learning they're going to we call it nation building. Nation yeah, building. that's what we try to do today sometimes. And we realize that it's a very complicated. Here yeah. God is going to take this mob of slaves and out of it and it, try to shape and mold and right. give them some laws, give them some organization, give them some structure, <laughs> give them a calendar, give them some key dates. Get yeah. This this whole process of building now a, a nation, a yeah. people with a history, with an identity. Uh, it's it's a really an amazing complicated process as when we'll you, see. Yeah, when you talked about, and I would, we'll go to this break quickly. But when you talked about um, forgiveness, it reminded me of that Lemez moment with Jean Valjean when he steals the candlesticks, yeah. and he had come out of slavery. Uh-huh. And, right. And, anyway, was so there was a prison. lot of having to break down old fears and I mean who knows all sorts of psychological you know True. Even, exactly just, yeah that the that, that, that's the reality right. the, the human reality of it which is so appealing as part of this book of books right. as well well there's our music uh, and we are going to have to take a quick break we'll come right back so don't you go anywhere the Bible live will continue in the book of Exodus don't go away Well, you heard the Bible live. 
You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. How beautiful that time of the year again comes around when we sing those wonderful songs of Christmas. It's funny that we don't sing those during the week, during the year at all. They're just this. We try. And I, People try. I try. <laughs> But people say, no, you no, need no. to wait we have till other Christmas. Songs. Wait till Christmas. Well, um, anyway, there we are coming up to Christmas. We, even on our broadcast here, we're moving toward uh, the time when we'll, we'll finish Genesis, Exodus, and, and Leviticus. And then we'll jump forward 1,500 years and uh, celebrate the coming of this Messiah that we've already been told about and told a lot about during Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. And uh, we'll celebrate the coming of the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, again, what is this one, John? Oh, it's still three kings. Well, that's all right. That's a, you always have good program ideas. I figured. Well, it's another one this of John's. This is new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, um, uh, I guess, and you, you make the link. It's a funny thing when you say, you know, that Jesus himself comes out of Egypt. That is this, that is this scarlet thread that winds its way through the yeah. Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There's this constant, this theme of the redemptive plan of God being mm-hmm. carried out. Uh, we see it in its, it, it's, it's infancy here with, the, with, uh, Abraham and then, and then Lot and then, uh, uh, Isaac and Jacob will we'll follow it on through, but uh, ultimately it's all pointing toward the coming of this Messiah, this Redeemer, this Savior, who will indeed be the one who who opens the door. Uh, it, it's an interesting thing to see. This coming of Jesus. Now, I'm sorry, Stacy. I'm wandering a bit again, but 
it, it is timeless. You know, we think about, you know, we live in the, in the age, uh, 2,000 years have passed since Jesus was here. We have the full-blown the full-blown redemptive story. I mean, it's it's out there. Th- these people didn't know anything about Jesus of Nazareth. You know, they just knew about uh, the true and living God had, was there. He's knowable. He calls us to know him and walk with him. Mm-hmm. And he makes it a, he makes it possible for us fallen, uh, frail, weak human beings, in spite of our sin and our weakness, mm-hmm. as we saw with the Ten Commandments and the idol, right. the gold calf. It's, he's a forgiving God and that we can know him and walk with him and in, uh, and be with him. And all the implications of that in terms of, you know, eternity and life mm-hmm. after death. And, you know, he's with us here going through the yeah. experiences of life. Uh, all of that, uh, it, it, it does... It does connect everything. It, yeah. it still all connects. And then here, centuries later, the Messiah comes out of Egypt, as as mm-hmm. we pointed out earlier. And I think one of the things that's so, and we've talked about this before, but one of the things that's just so neat about Scripture and about the story and about God is that you, when you can look at the at the Bible from that hundred mm-hmm. or high, mm-hmm. <laughs> that high, uh, you see how it does all connect and yeah. you can see how he's nation building and how he is um, moving, how he's taking a people group out of slavery and bondage and how that's ultimately going to be a picture of of the gospel and all of us. Uh, but at the, so at, the, at one hand, he is, he's got the whole story in mind. On the other hand, he is, cares about every single individual and each person and each, you know, and it's so, it's really neat. And I guess you talked about, um, you know, uh, how he is in, involved and in how you said it was small or simple. I can't remember the, the term that you used, but I thought it was a funny term because you were searching for the word that uh-huh. scripture is very um, humble in many ways. It's very, you know, every day. It's very mundane, mundane in a way, yes. uh, just the common yes, experiences exactly. of these people on the big, right. this camp out trip, you know, mm-hmm. two million people going to, right. on, uh, to camp, I guess, for mm-hmm. 40 years. But, but on the other same, hand, exactly. And I think that's in every page. I mean, that's every page is not only what is happening in that life and in that time and specific and how God is interacting with the people that that he loves. He loves his he loves his creation. He's mm-hmm. um, also, though, with the with the bigger picture of all of all of time and space and eternity and all of the human race, <laughs> and every all generation. Human race, yes. Yeah. It, uh, and it's, I think you really see that in Exodus. I mean, especially because, you know, they had the opportunity to within maybe three years be in Canaan yeah. already in the land of milk and honey. We could have really taken a shortcut and have just mm-hmm. gotten that done, but Instead they didn't of want what, to. Uh, you know, it's actually a very short distance. Right. Yeah. Uh, from Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. e- even if you two million of you uh, right. that, that have the logistics, whew, the logistics of this are just fascinating as well. I mean, we have the the manna that God provides. We have this quail. We have the uh, how does two million two million people? And, and of course, it, as they move, they're a huge giant people group, uh, and and they're not just isolated. I mean, I'm sure people break off and take little trips um, back to Egypt, back over to the Midianites, and over to that group. The other, the reality of their 
And the nations around them knew about them. They knew about this huge population of men, women, children, and people that had come out of Egypt. And and they were afraid. They were, for themselves, they were worried about where these people were going to go and are they going to come here and take... So we see some of the elements of that. They're they are attacked. The you know the uh, Ammonites, the all the ites, all the, all the ites, the Moabites and the Midianites, and the, even the Philistines. Beginning, you, you mentioned the fact that they could have made the trip quickly, uh, uh, much quicker. Is is in, in a matter of days or at, at most weeks, I suppose, with mm-hmm. the crowd this big, moving on up, but. Uh, one of the things, one of our questions says, um, uh, where was it? Why Why did God, instead of, um, let me see where I can find it. He says, um, the people, the, the people, oh, goodness, I'm trying to find it. Why did he take, um, why did he tell them not to fight, not to uh he led them a certain way, and it points out in the scriptures that it was because God was guiding them, and He didn't want to prematurely enter, get them enter into a conflict with the Philistines. Oh, the Philistines had uh, made their way over from; they were a Mediterranean from across the Mediterranean Sea. They were seagoing, seafaring people, but they had made their way down to. Canaan into the end of the Mediterranean, and they were um, a force to be reckoned with militarily, and uh, they were told not to uh, battle with them right that moment because you, you, you're not ready. So God kind of protected them as well. You're not ready for that yet. So they, uh, you know, that's the idea that right. through the leadership through Moses, they were instructed not to. Uh, that take a certain route, but even if it was indirect and not a large group and and not so uh, direct, they could have been there quickly in the land mm-hmm. already. And so, but it, it it's all of the it's that it, it's that interplay between the yeah. reality of the human response right. being a part of the process right. and. God and God's sovereignty, sovereignty and will being done. Superintending mm-hmm. yeah, even yeah. over our wrong decisions that right. God still manages mm-hmm. to bring about his redemptive plan right. and to it cause might, things it to... It might take a little more time. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what he intended but he did happen. he has time. Yeah. He has time. God has time. <laughs> yeah, he, he created it. Yeah. So anyway, we're, yeah. we're, we're, boy, we are really... Uh, we're wondering. You're, you're, you're a good meanderer, Stacey. I'm getting you, good. I'm learning like, from the best. Like your dad, I guess. <laughs> no. Well, let's look at... Um, I'm going to find out where that question comes from. I know I had it here in okay. my... Well, I have. Uh, a, I want mm-hmm. to say we go from... Um, from Mount Sinai, and now they are building the tabernacle. The tabernacle. So mm-hmm. What take us though? So how was the tabernacle then um, a, told to to do as they before anything? Yeah, else? they're still there. And remember the nation building. Uh, they're, 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 I, I assume they're beginning to gather some structure. They have to have some manner of defense. So I'm sure the men of the uh, nation. And the different tribes and, and the structures, uh, social structure, they begin to think, well, how would we defend ourselves if people do us uh, attack and so on? The reality. But even before that, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that you said in the break, though, 
the first things first when it mm-hmm. came to establishing who they are was establishing their worship. The their, their core, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the strength would Which, be not in their military, not in their size, not in their... Uh, their economy, which right. they were a force, of course, to be reckoned with, but it was their strength was going to be in that relationship right. uh, the that they would have as who people. they worship, and that's a question. Mm-hmm. That's that's where every single one of us should start in mm-hmm. life. Who are you worshiping? Uh, and once mm-hmm. you have that figured out, I mean, once you have that established, then that. That's the door through which then the rest That's of your life. That's the foundation and the rest of, your, of our mm-hmm. lives. That's foundation mm-hmm. of our families. It's the foundation of our communities, mm-hmm. and ultimately right. the nation. And, and so not only. And we're like, we're seeing that today in our yeah, own nation. Right, right. We're it's up for grabs. It seems to be a time of reckoning for America that mm-hmm. our culture is having to decide. Another generation now is having to decide: Are we going to continue to revere, worship, admire? believe, trust in God, or are we going to go to kind of a humanistic idea that we're in charge and we're depend on our military, our wealth, our economy, or what other things, and and kind of leave behind these these pesky old commandments that (laughs) we love one another and care about whatever. But yeah. that, but it's relevant. Right. It's it's what they're going through, and he's and it seems like they start off pretty strong, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. God doesn't just tell them, you know, He doesn't just give them the laws, but then as far as worship, specifically mm-hmm. how to, I mean, He gives mm-hmm. dimensions and He gives specifics about this tabernacle and how to tabernacle or be with God, and uh, they seem to to. Go. It seems to go pretty well. <laughs> is, is that? Yeah, I mean, they, we're still at this early stage. They've just right. seen God actually do some amazing, great number of them. Remember, now it, it also brings to mind the idea that, in spite of what they've seen, mm-hmm. uh, Moses, the plagues, uh, the Red Sea, the dead, the Red Sea opening, they're coming, they're. Being Miami. free now, they, they, they've been at Mount Sinai. The pillars. They saw, the, I mean, God spoke to the nation. Mm-hmm. And, and um, in spite of what they've seen, it's, it's very interesting how people have this capacity and there's actually this tendency not to believe. It's funny. I, you know, we, don't we do that often? We well, read about the Old Testament. The Israelites would go, how could they do that? I mean, God just brought them out of Egypt. And they saw this incredible miracle. And mm-hmm. and next thing you know, they're, you know. You know what's interesting? This is funny. This, I don't, this is maybe a little bit of a wandering. But I do think that one of man, one of one of humans' biggest fear, perhaps, is being duped. To, to being one of our, I think, um, especially when it comes to relationships oh. and um, being loved, mm-hmm. there probably would be nothing more scary and horrible than to believe that somebody loves you or to be real, and then to find out that they've been making fun of you this whole time or that they're, or that they are just tricking you or something. It is I, because. It, you're being manipulated. You're being used. Right, because yeah. and you see it. On, I mean, this is kind of a silly, but you see it sometimes. It's such a, it's such an easy thing to be to happen on social media, um, and uh, you. I have seen. I have seen anger, like vitriol. I mean, just mm-hmm. because somebody would has thought 
one thing and then they think they were duped. And boy, they, their pride maybe or just something comes out that, and uh, anyway, I thought that's, you know, that's probably one of human, one of, one of man's greatest fears would be being tricked. I think of um, C.S. Lewis, the dwarves. Right? No, nobody's gonna do. Nobody's gonna get us dwarf. The dwarves are for the dwarves, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they have this big fear of getting tricked and finding out that they're, you know, they're wrong or to, that Aslan is just a, mm-hmm. mecha, a mechanism or mm-hmm. a tool to to yeah, get you to yeah. to manipulate you. And, and I guess it's maybe that uh, it's a um, skepticism. It's just skepticism, maybe to its extreme. Uh, maybe that's what. And maybe it's I don't. Well, it's part. It's part of that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it, it often surprises us when we read about. It. They just, but this, this ability that human beings have uh, to to find uh, the weakness, the, uh, this, like you say, this phobia, this fear that we have mm-hmm. of being duped and used, and, and of course, right. humanly speaking, we're going to see here in the Book of Exodus. The people, uh, they're suspicious of Moses, mm-hmm. even Miriam and Aaron, uh, uh, but more particularly Miriam falls into it. They, they get a little bit afraid of all the power that Moses seems to be wielding mm-hmm. and they're thinking, well, is this all just a big deal for him to right. continue to be Lord over all you know, mm-hmm. this? And, and um, you know, they, they have to yeah. face the it consequences. Is, you know, of and it is hard in a way because... I mean, we who who the father of lies. I mean, mm-hmm. what we're up against in this. So, in some ways, you think it's kind of understandable. Maybe that's the heart with which God does come to us. Like well, it's, one it's, of compassion. It's that second spiritual law. You know, right. we talk about these four spiritual laws that yeah. you know Bill Bright wrote this little booklet. You know, simple gospel message, but these, those. You know, the first God loves you. Now, now they're in the process of learning. Hunting moment. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. God loves you. God loves you. He loves us in spite of our sin, and but He loves us too much to leave us that way. And so, but now we've moved to the second law, and we're getting, we're seeing this sinful nature, this tendency that we have as human beings to wander, to suspect, to. Uh, hold back. I love that because in many ways it's it shows that that is what our bond. We are actually enslaved and to in sin, bondage yeah. to that to skepticism, that fear, that, to that to the father of lies. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. so maybe that's why we fear it so much because we know it. We know it in our own selves. We yeah. know that our own heart is deceitful above all things. And boy, that would make a person jump at all <laughs> at everything. Yeah. Well, that, that's what we see here now, and that explains this idea that. That even after seeing all of this, the next thing you know, they're they're suspecting Moses, or they're mm. they're saying, yeah. hey, you brought us here. Let's go back to we could at least have food to eat in Egypt, you know. Right. And now, that process begins, and it keeps on now, even through the forty years of wandering, and uh, even later on, uh, the the second law is as much a law as the first law. Yeah. Uh, God does love you, and yet there is this tendency to wonder and to doubt and to mm-hmm. hold back. Uh, and and we see that uh, revealed yeah. as as strongly and as powerfully as clearly as God's love. And then that third law is the Messiah, the redemptive plan. God has a God has, God a has done something about it to over to overcome mm-hmm. that sin right. to to redeem us in spite of. And, and I was talking to a, a, um, a friend of mine this past week about that very thing about. 
you know, sometimes we think, well, God can just forgive anybody he wants anytime he wants. He, but no, the, within the very nature of God himself, there is this powerful yes. love and his, you know, he, the, the great grandfather in the sky who loves his grandchildren and loves his children. And he says that sin and rebellion mm-hmm. uh, must have its consequence. Right. must and, be in the yeah. soul that sins, it shall die. Right. Uh, we, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And, of course, that's what we see with this sacrificial system that's right. put in place. So that's what's being communicated through this tabernacle right. and these sacrifices is that Sin has a consequence. Their sin is a reality, but now part of that spiritual provision for their lives is is how we're going to deal with that sin. Right. And God is showing that it's going to be substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. It's that's going to be the basis of God's relationship with us. That's how He can take a fallen, sinful, selfish human being and and forgive us and and to to build into a, a new nature. He can love us and accept us. Why? Because the penalty of that sin has been paid. It's not like he has thrown his love, has overwhelmed his justice, and he sacrifices his justice because, no, there had to be both expression. And that's what the the Messiah and the redemptive plan of God is all about, is harmonizing God's love with his justice justice and holiness and satisfying so that his nature so that we can be part of a relationship with him it's just uh i mean it's extremely complex and beautiful and its complexity and yet here we are watching it kind of walk in the human side of things and it looks kind of messy (laughs) but you mentioned the tabernacle and we we don't really have We've already, you know, kind of, boy, this is going fast. Uh, we, ought, we ought to really um, put a question out there so we can get somebody else involved in our conversation here. But uh, I guess what I was going to say is that one of the things about that tabernacle, uh, it, if you can picture it, it, it is a, it's a white fence about eight or so into it. It's um, 150 feet by 75 feet. In other words, it's. 50 yards long, 25 yards across, a fourth of a football field. Okay. Now, yeah, that sounds like that's a pretty good little size little deal, but I mean, really, that's even, that's smaller than a lot of churches you know, here sure. in our city. I yeah. mean, this is a small little construct, really. And that's just the fence around it, you know, mm-hmm. the 50, uh, 75 by 150 feet. Um, but then the, the, Inside, on the, inside the fence, there's this little 30, I think it's 30 by 30 uh, construct, this little, um, the holy place, the tent, mm-hmm. uh, of, and it's divided into the holy place and the holy of holies. And that's much smaller. And so if you're talking about 2 million people, I mean, really, this is a right. very small little, mm-hmm. I remember when it came to San Antonio, there was a group that that we put together a, uh-huh. a, a, a really life-size um, um, replica mm-hmm. of the tabernacle, and most people went to see it, and I would talk with them after and say, "Man, it's we're just that. surprised. It's so small. <laughs> it's just it's kind of like the Alamo, right? Everybody thinks right. the Alamo is going to be some big thing. We had a, a, a guest come from out of town that had never been here before, and uh, we asked, it? did you go to the Riverwalk? Yeah, yeah. And did you see the Alamo? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was small, wasn't it? 
Yeah, how'd you know? It, it was really, like, everybody says that. Well, I didn't know it was so small. Well, that's the tabernacle. And, and it's this place yeah. where God is going to walk with them now he, in the middle of his people. It's us as God's people, as we wander in our wilderness, the Spirit of God is with us, protecting us, guiding us, providing for us, instructing us. Uh, it's it just uh, a beautiful picture for us now of God's Spirit in the midst of his people. In fact, when Jesus says, uh, if you abide in me and I abide in you, in the New Testament, John chapter 15, the core of that word, abide, the, the tabernacle. is the word tabernacle. Yeah. He tabernacles with us as we move through. Well, there we are. We are again, that pesky music kind of comes on and <laughs> cuts us, interrupts us. Uh, it seemed like John could do something about that, but he puts it there, right? <laughs> and doing it very no well. excuses, John. Well, we will be back. We have one more segment. Uh, 210-340-9585 is our phone number. Um, angels, we have heard on high glory. Yeah, that's where we are with that beautiful song. Uh, we're getting ready for our long-promised-awaited Messiah the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. All of that is still the, uh, still the target of, our, of the Bible, even back in the book of Exodus. We'll come back and um, talk about it when the Bible Live continues. Stay with us. to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. What a happy day. I asked Jesus in my heart and now he's here to stay. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, sing it loud and clear. Jesus lives within my heart each day all through the year. I remember it so well. The day my life was changed. I'd walked in darkness oh so long my soul with sin was stained. Then I heard the Spirit's call and I fell before the cross. Jesus shined his light, took away my sin, now I'm no longer lost. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ask Jesus in my heart, and now he's here to stay. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, sing it loud and clear. Jesus lives within my heart each day all through the year. Yes, Jesus lives within my heart each day all through the year. Big finish. All right. Oh, the, oh that's, that's real classic. Our right converted crew. That's Thanks, really John. a plug. John just gave me a standing ovation. I just, that's, yeah. It's good no matter how small. I love that. <laughs> anyway, folks, that is one of our, uh, a number of what we call converted Christmas carols or, <laughs> or baptized Christmas carols that we've uh, 
uh, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, Jingle Bells, um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus coming. I don't know if we do Santa Claus coming Jesus to town. Jesus Christ is coming. To, uh, Jesus Christ is coming. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Again. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right again, and yeah, uh, Jesus and Christ is coming thing. again. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're they're on our website. You can go to thebiblelive.com. And go find them. <laughs> they're somewhere. There. They're somewhere there. Just keep looking. Keep clicking. <laughs> And uh, you can download those, uh, have them for your family get-together, your Christmas celebration. They're a lot of fun. And what's the website address? The, the Bible Live. Dot com. Dot <laughs> com. com. And you can go in and find those. And you can find a lot of stuff there. Good good stuff. Helpful, encouraging stuff. Some, some wonderful ideas. Bible studies and uh, some other songs as well that I, I've put on the website. Um but but the, among them are these things that you can download, print them out, use them for your own uh, enjoyment and uh, for your family get together here at Christmas time. It, it's it's uh, they're very encouraging. Thanks, John, for putting that on. That that was good, good choice. Um, we're back. We only really have one more segment. Do we want to try to talk about? Well, you're talking about the tabernacle. Yeah, there we are. That abiding and the root of that is to tabernacle with us. And uh, uh, and then I think that there's yeah there's just so much interesting. Uh, it's it's very rich with uh, metaphor and meaning and oh stuff. yeah. Uh, but but also just with the rea- the the names Bezalel and Oholiab. Yeah. Um, these two men that were just very skilled. Tell, tell, us, tell about in- them. They're, they're very interesting because uh, I yes, they I think really he's are. The, they're the first ones. To be, we see the terminology, almost right. New Testament terminology, right. that they were filled with the Spirit. Yes, and and they, and they're not, you know, they're not preachers. It's not Moses. It's not one of the great spiritual. They're right. they're artisans. They're people who know how to mm-hmm. sew. They know how to make things metal, melt it, and shape right. it, and right. they know details. Right. And they they're lead artists. they lead out in the construct of this. Building of the tabernacle, yes, yeah. and their teachers at heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that you know they had every ability and skill to be able to make it themselves, but they were very gifted in teaching their craft to mm-hmm. others, and yeah. so they involved others in building the tabernacle. Yeah. And I just I think that that's so special. And um, and and as far as they were, must have been inspiring people. As far as um, as far as the problem that they had, the problem was that they had too much offering. <laughs> they had people give too much. What to, a problem. They right? had to tell them, stop giving. <laughs> and that's what that reminds me of my sweet little local church community. Um, mm-hmm. We just have never had any shortage of giving. And it makes me teary almost every time because, yeah. I mean, these are hard times. You know, inflation is crazy. Eggs these days and the price of things just skyrocketing. Um, and yet there's, and a lot of the ministries that have kind of either come to us or have come and said, now, you know, I know this, mm-hmm. I know this year is, so if you can't, and it's just such a blessing to be able to say, oh, we absolutely can. And then some, what do you need? And to be able to give mm-hmm. above Clothing, and beyond. Bibles, yes. um, mm-hmm. and I think encouragement. Yeah. yeah. And that's, um, 
I think that's that's uh well it's, it's just it's neat and and that these two men, um like you said they weren't they weren't Moses they weren't as they were they were teachers uh, in fact it kind of reminds me of maybe a um, maybe even a Jesus like I mean Jesus was a carpenter he, he or he a mason perhaps but I mean he was sort of what of an artist himself worked with his hands that's right for, for thirty years mm-hmm. I mean Just, he, and a teacher and he a knew teacher. who he was too he knew he was the Messiah. Uh, Evidently, a fairly clear understanding of that at age 12. Mm-hmm. And we wonder, what did he do from age 12 to 30? You know, there's right. 18 years there. He took care of his mom. Evidently, we're not certain of this, but it looks like Joseph died was young. older than, than Mary had died. Uh, and that he had brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. That he mm-hmm. So he helps. He becomes the head of the household. Mm-hmm. He takes care of his mother. He supports them. Uh, financially, I mean, there was the mundane, mundane, normal demands right. of life right. for the Son of God incarnate mm-hmm. and the Messiah, mm-hmm. uh, learning, growing, walking with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he studied the scriptures. He continued to attend, uh, ta- uh, um, um, you know, Sabbath Sundays. He would uh, be at synagogue, uh, and so there was a normalcy. This is the same thing we keep coming up with. There's this normalcy right. in this kind of human perspective. It's normal and real. Right. And then there's this, but it's all part and of this incredible. <laughs> and he was God. You know? <laughs> Incarnate. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> it's true. Born right? in a manger and did that. And he and was God. He was God. <laughs> that uh, is the, the upside down kingdom, right? Truly, the, the great truly. paradigm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're seeing it too, though. Uh, anticipated here with. Uh, with um with excess yeah mm-hmm. um so we have the simple simplicity of this construct but it's a picture of god's presence in the midst of his people yeah and, now let's um talk mm-hmm. a little bit about i don't like to talk about it because it's hard uh-huh but in exodus what is that 32 yeah 26 and 28 when the levites um are called upon to punish those who worship the golden calf. Yes. And uh, that's Interesting, hard. Interesting, Because it? that would have been, I mean, these are their brothers and sisters. This is their their family. You know, this these are people that they likely knew, and they're called uh, mm-hmm. to punish them. That doesn't feel like a forgiving God. Uh, you know, you said he is a forgiving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that seems, that's hard. Um, that one. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, the the gold calf, we see that in chapter 32. Um, Sorry to say after, that. <laughs> after these chapters, uh, 26 through 31, his basically focus is on that simple little construct. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this tabernacle, the fence, the, the tent in the middle, the holy of holies, holy place in the holy of holies. You have the, the basic furniture. All of these pieces, all of these details are... They're simple and in, in, in some way kind of boring. Why don't they tell us about this table with bread? Well, with bread on it. This this uh, this menorah, this candle candelabra there, and the, and all of those become instruments symbolically of the God they worship and the, His provision for their lives. And Jesus says, "I am the bread of the of life. I am the light of the world." All of these things have a deeper. Uh, uh, more complex and more uh, beautiful 
meanings, and yet there they were in that moment serving the function as well of telling people about the God. And, and then they uh, it talks about the, the priest's turban on their forehead was a gold medallion. And it's inscribed on that medallion was a constant reminder of God's character that they are set apart as holy to the Lord. Uh, so we see all these details that we could kind of get lost in. Uh, but we move on through that. We come to this section then when they um, mm-hmm. they have this this gold calf mm-hmm. I, again against all logic in some ways. Right. But I will say this about that experience, and you say they're called upon to uh, to kill those yeah, that worship mm-hmm. the God and, and the we're camp. unrepentant. I guess. Now my understanding is now that this was. In, in likelihood, this, the basic um, idea of the building of the calf and all the, a lot of the complaints and things. Remember that the Jewish people weren't the only ones who came out of Egypt. Right, I have thought. And okay. so there was a there was a multitude. There was a large group that was not uh, in that sense. Now they all became Israel mm-hmm. uh, at the base of Mount Sinai. They they that's where they were formed and sealed as a nation, as a people group. And those who were not genetically uh, grafted in, they became part, they had married into it or they had relationships and they became part of Israel, um, of of this people group. Now, but a lot of the problems, my understanding is, from from Jewish uh, historians and, and scholars, is that a lot of the problems often rose up from that 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 mob, that, that group that was not on board right. necessarily. Okay. Uh, some were, of course, right. but then a, a lot of this. So we have to have that reality as well, but not, not excusing. I mean, people made wrong choices. I mean, it's amazing how we can, we as human beings can find the, uh, we can snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory so easily. <laughs> right. we, we can and I guess the that. numbers were... It was 3,000 mm-hmm. that were killed, which does seem like a lot. I mean, that is a lot. So that's, well, uh, out of 2 million, relative, though, it's not. Right. And probably huge. it was not everybody. That, right. Uh, Aaron, for instance. I mean, Aaron was right there, but he was not killed. And so oh, it is. Aaron is a total mystery to me. Where was <laughs> what? What did he do? I mean, how did he? And he gives this corny excuse when Moses says, what are you doing? What, what have you all done? He's Oh, you know, they complain, and so they brought this gold, and I put it in the fire, and out popped this gold cap. It's like, you know, oh, I, don't know. I didn't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like a child that gets caught mm-hmm. uh, yeah. doing something wrong. But anyway, yeah, we have that in chapter 31, 32. So we're, we, we, the, the whole picture is here, God's love, right. God's kindness, God's forgiveness, and yet and his, the yeah, sin his nature justice. is there right. pictured for the, the his, other reality that... That man is sinful, right. separated from God, and we need a redeemer, a savior. And yes. that is what um, does. That is the beginning of the Levites being um, confirmed as the priesthood. Is that right? That is the beginning yes. of. Uh-huh. So that is why, which is an interesting. Um, well, yeah. it's an interesting. You know, because that's quite to me. I mean, that's quite an act of faith. I would think. I mean, to be commanded to go. It. I mean, it has. Very Abraham kill Isaac vibes. <laughs> you know, it's very, uh, 
you know, can go go kill well, yeah, these three thousand. Yeah. It is, actually. Um, and mm-hmm. they do it. I, I guess by faith, just trusting that they are. And they're rewarded for having done that. For by you're it. going to be you're guardians the, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the faith. In other words, there were twelve tribes. Levi was a, a mm-hmm. son of of Jacob, mm-hmm. and all these other tribes. They're going to be given allotment of land and so on in 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 Canaan. And to have their crops and raise and dedicate themselves to life and to building their economies and their families and so on. And they're, they're part of the nation. But the Levites are going to be set apart as... Uh, and and uh, the Levites are from the tribe of Moses and Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother, Miriam. And so they become the tribe that looks out for the spiritual well-being of the nation. And that works into other concerns. The, the Levites also, and we'll see that when we, this nation building that's going on, the Levites also are guardians of the health of the nations, uh, of the nation. They look out for <laughs> diseases. Uh, leprosy was mentioned in the break uh, that we took a while ago. So they would take care of the, um, of if a flu uh, epidemic got out, they would try to help contain it and control it and leprosy and other illnesses and, and uh, talk about mold in the homes and details like that where they, they took care of those kind of things and they helped in the judge and, the judge and jury. They were part of the, the legal system mm-hmm. when someone had a complaint against a neighbor who cut down the tree on their land. You know, they, they would go and it, it would make its way up conceivably to, uh, to their Supreme Court. Remember, they, they were organized and we see Jethro Moses' father-in-law, he is used in this process to kind of organize their justice system, but the Levites were fundamental to it. And they didn't have land. They didn't have herds, uh, flocks to, you know, to, to have their own economy. They were going to be subsidized and supported by the other tribes mm-hmm. because of the work they do in behalf of the nation. It is a very, very interesting um, that was part of the organizational, the structure the, of their existence. Yeah. And for centuries now, this was going to to uh, guide them. And you do have to one, you know, uh, uh, they're just like, they're, there's probably more to the story. <laughs> I think sometimes with those oh, yeah. sort of hard passages, you know, just reading it carefully, putting it into the context. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just a difficult thing, but... You know, they, they, this was a chaotic time. They mm-hmm. were building gold. There was money and gold involved. Who knows the extent to which people were even stealing or hurting other people. Or And Moses gives a rallying cry, and whoever's with me, come to me. The Levites rallied. And they said, take up your sword. I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it might not have been as simple as just going... I mean, there probably was a bit of a fight. I mean, it wasn't just a... Yeah. There I, were multiple assume, swords yeah. taken up. Uh-huh. And uh, and Moses... Mm-hmm, and Very then good. Moses does go and say this. Now, what is sad, though, is that those Levites... I mean, it says, at least in the passage, that, I mean, men would have probably had to kill their own sons. I mean, sons and brothers were killed that day. Um, and it just shows probably the, the extent to which, though, the... Chaos had had gotten. Yeah. Um, we don't know. Well, it's but very I good, just... and it's, it, it, and again, like I said, if you're talking in terms of these 
fundamental basic truths about God and God's redemptive plan. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for our lives, you know. Uh, I keep quoting this little famous little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws, and it's basically a simple little evangelistic tool. Mm-hmm. But it occurs to me in these latter years of my, uh, my finally I dawned upon me, those are not just simple little words of a gospel tract. They are fundamental principles of right. the scriptures. Mm-hmm. God, God's love is there. It's real. But it's also re- man's sinful nature is real, and our rebellion and our ability to... Un- not to believe in our ability to to sin as a reality, and 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 it's it needs to be here because it, it, that's the reality of our existence. Right. God's love is there; it can be redemptive, it can be transforming, and, and but sin still does have its consequences. Right. You know, you you you've let's say a fellow, I, a waiter today at the table. We were talking to him about the Lord. Mom and I went out and had lunch together after being at Lackland this morning. And uh, we were talking with our waiter, and it turns out uh, he was a, a believer as well. And we were visiting with him, but he talked about he one time had a lot of uh, alcoholism and he had a, a troubled past, mm-hmm. and the trouble it caused his family and his you know relationship with his sister, with his parents, and all. sin does have a consequence. You know, you people, some guy goes out and gets drunk and uh, gets in a drunken brawl, and maybe somebody take, breaks a bottle of beer and sticks it in his face, and he loses an eye, you know. Yeah. Uh, and maybe God uses that as a way to call him to repentance, and he realizes, and he comes to God, and he, his life is changed and transformed, but he still doesn't get his eyesight back, right. you know, just right. automatically. It's not in this life. Sin does, yeah, right. sin does ultimately have its consequences in this life. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're right. That's good, too. You know, the, in the plan of God, it doesn't. it's not all about just this life. You know, we know that he... He will have his sight back someday in glory, but right, right. but sin does have its consequences here, and and uh, that's part of the story. We see it clearly carried out as well, when they broke the command by building the altar. Um, it set in motion these, and part of God's redemptive plan, particularly here on planet Earth, is how to how we are to live and function in a world where good and evil coexist, right. and, and it's yeah. a very practical. Thing as well, uh, there was something that made me want to mention that in that context, we talked about the tabernacle. Uh, we talk about the building of it. Uh, these these uh, artisans who headed it up. We talk about this moment of failure with the gold calf, and the remarkable reality of forgiveness that would be the really striking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is oh, that's that's what it was. I was going to mention the fact that so interestingly. Uh, when the people broke those first two commandments, worship the Lord your God, only he, he alone, that God had given them, mm-hmm. the Lord, to Moses in chapter 20, 32, we had this little detail of conversation between God and Moses. And God says, I'm, I'm going to just destroy the whole, all of them. <laughs> I'm just going to destroy the whole nation group. And we'll start all over again with you. Mm-hmm. And if we just, which is an amazing, fascinating thought. Now, if there was a bit of uh, um, ambition in Moses, he might have thought, oh, man, that sounds cool. <laughs> right. uh, but no, he's, oh, no, Lord. You know, and he appeals to God yeah. on the basis of God's character and God's yeah. promises. Right. He said, you promised it. And, and God, oh. 
hears his prayer and he, of course, preserves them and puts in place these other safeguards uh, against uh, that sin nature and part of our lives. I, I just find that little, little little chapter, that little story in chapter 32. So Moses intercedes. He prays mm-hmm. for the people. They're forgiven. and Which is another way in which we can very easily see some parallels between Moses and uh-huh. Jesus. Just exactly right. Our intercessor, our mediator. And what do you think about chapter 33 where Moses says, God, I have a favor to ask you. <laughs> I'd, I'd like, like to, to see you. your glory. I'd like to really just I see like you. Moses. I mean, and, that's all yeah. of our requests. Really, Moses is all of us in that instance, I feel like. I want to see you. I want to see your face. I want to see uh, you. Yeah. And, I can't uh, wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Who knows? Uh, you know, uh, but it's, uh, and God says, you know, no one can see me and live. I mean, that, I've often thought about that, that we always want to know what is world God like and what is the spiritual realm like. And we're not in any shape of, at this time of our existence to, be able to, to. to internalize mm-hmm. this spiritual dimension, this God yeah. creation. But he does let him see his, his backside. backside. In other words, his, the, concept, the effects of God, right, right. not necessarily his face. Right? Very, very, very interesting. Well, well, we made our way through. That's the end of Exodus uh, there, just overview of it. But we're now going into Leviticus as God prepares the spiritual leaders, the Levites, and teaches them about worship. All that next Sunday night here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.